Hello and welcome to Recruiting and Hospitality from Catra.com. As ever, I'm Lancelot Narayan and as you know, in each programme, we invite top names from the world of hospitality to discuss recruitment, development, retention, um, as well as other matters that affect you and your team. So thanks for joining us again. Um, this is going to be a really good one. Uh, well, they're all good ones. What am I talking about? They're all good ones, but this is going to be quite, quite special because I'll tell you why. Um, as you know, every year we hold our Catra.com People Awards. Now, I don't need to explain the pandemic has put a spanner in the works for everybody. And we've, you know, had to cancel our, our event, usually a big uh, sit down awards dinner. Last year, however, <clears throat> we did something a bit different. We had, um, instead of the 15 categories, we had just three categories with 15 winners in each. I know, it's mad, isn't it? It's crazy. Um, but it was a great way to celebrate all the hard work that's been done during that very difficult time by hospitality employers for the benefit of their teams. Uh, one of the categories, and a very important one, is employee well-being. And one of the winners of that category was the very cool hotel group Malmaison Duvin and I am delighted to say I have with me today the head of HR for Malmaison would you please say hello to Kate Lees hello Kate hi Lars thanks so much for having me oh it's a pleasure it's a pleasure I'm really glad we could we could do this and spend this time together it's great um look let's let's just get into it because it there's a lot to talk about why was it important for Malmaison to embed a well-being initiative into the company culture? What, why was that? Well, per personally, I don't feel it was important just to Malmaison. I feel it's important to all businesses. You know, it's not just a nice to have anymore, a tick box exercise. I just think it's so important. It's so essential. And, um, you know, we were looking at it kind of end of 2019 feels like a long time ago now so before the pandemic kicked in yeah literally just before and um just recognizing the increase in cases we were seeing you know absence and performance related issues which were linked to well-being and mental health and so it really just felt like the time right we need to focus on it we need to look at it a bit more and just try and be more proactive and educate people within our business um and our guests as well and hopefully start to have an impact on the culture. Right, right, right. So it was February 2020, right, when Malmaison implemented its first mental health and yeah. wellbeing policy, and it was a strategy uh, as well. How how exactly did the programme come into being? What was the process? What brought you to that? I mean, you've explained briefly what brought you to that point, um, but what what was the process for you how what were the sort of <laughs> details you know uh, so for me I, I did a lot of research it's an area I'm very interested in anyway and um, there's so much content out there there's there's lots of companies doing great things and you know the first place you've got to start is with a policy I believe and, and build from there um, because you need to be saying that you're committing to something and you know this is what you're going to um 
you know, standby and, and the reason for the policy and, and focusing on this area. So I did all my research, you know, looked at lots of examples, came up with a really comprehensive, I felt, but simple and achievable policy. And from that, um, a plan for the following 12 months of what we would introduce um, within the business. And it all started in February 2020 with launching the policy at our general managers conference. Um, so we had, you know, 37 hotels represented by their, their hotel managers and it was a chance to, to put it on the agenda, get it on the table and have a good discussion about it and see how they were seeing it was impacting within their teams and talk about what we could do essentially as a business and what we we're going to drive, but what they could do within their properties as well. Was there a general consensus amongst the, the 37? Uh, consensus of what? <laughs> well, I mean, was there was there a complete agreement? Was there were there all right? What problems did you face? Well, I th I think it's fair to say in any walks of life, you know, in personally at work or in the media, there is still a, a group of people that don't buy into mental health and well being. You know, right. it's it's about snowflake generation. It's woke. It's not real. People just need to get on with it and. Uh, you know, pull themselves together. And I think that, you know, that has definitely reduced in the last two years across the board. I feel that people are so much more open and aware that it, you know, it is an important topic and, you know, it's not just wokery, for want of a better word. Wokery! <laughs> but, um, you know, and I don't want to uh, disparage our managers because the, the response was great. I but don't do that, was, Kate. Don't do no, that. But what was good with, you know, I did have some challenges, you know, people were challenged. Well, why is it important? You know, I don't see that there's a problem. I think, you know, it just relates to people that don't want to be at work, you know. So we have good discussions about it. And, um, you know, I think that's always natural when you've got such a large group of people and you're, you're covering a topic which at the time was, I think, fair to say divisive for a lot of people. Um, it wasn't that long ago, was it, Kate? It, it wasn't, but I, I remember thinking at the time we had our conference just after Caroline Flack had passed away. And um, and so it's very topical for the time anyway. And obviously we've been working on all the content for, for a few months, um, but it really felt like that time before the pandemic put, really put it on the agenda, um, yeah. you know, nationally, and people were much more aware. And so... Um, yeah, I think people were more open to the conversation, perhaps. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I can imagine that it, it you know, you, you might have had issues with with people, but you persevered. Mm. So how did you implement the? How much? How did you implement the plan? Um, what What are the? What were the different? What are the different strands of the program? Because um, it's well, it can't be just one one thing that you just throw out there then it has to be multi-facets can you talk no, us through that yeah absolutely and I think if you don't mind it's probably easier to break it down into year one and year two um, okay sure we, yeah we had, yeah we had a strategy before the pandemic hit and then we had to adapt it as time went on so right. it did change in honesty you so have to don't you you, you exactly. have to to make it work yeah exactly um so we started off with um the conference with the a workshop and some training around what it all means and what it's all about and and then pushing kind of three or four key areas that we had in place that were not you know um 
time sensitive and were easy to just introduce and promote. So um, we were promoting our um, communications platform, Flow, which is now called MapAL One. Um, called uh, uh, I'm going to get in trouble now. MapAL. <laughs> MapAL. Okay. Well, um formerly flow so i'm sure people could find it which is really right yeah okay um so we had um e-learning through there and it was the first time we've also had a central communications platform so we were communicating on um like a news feed business updates board so we would be talking about certain things um alongside that we were using at the time rewards gateway as our benefits platform and they had um, four different areas within that um, mind, money, munch and move, which tackled you know, areas which all contribute to well-being, uh, financial web well-being and physical, etc. So um, we have that and um, we also plan to do um, have, have a well-being champion within each of our properties who would be part of the employee committee that we already had in place and would receive training from us to not be an on-site counsellor by any means but be someone who was comfortable in signposting people to support and maybe how would you choose that person well we wanted to kind of have two two-pronged approach so firstly people that wanted to be it because i really strongly believe especially in this topic you can't force someone to be interested to endorse it to be really educated about it so I wanted volunteers but then on on the split side we also needed managers to feel that they were the right person so um the plan was it literally I think we'd launched the nominations in March for this person and then of course furlough hit and everyone everything kind of changed a little bit um, but we were going to use that in employer wellbeing champion to kind of help just with the communications aspects and just help us with talking about it more so nothing was groundbreaking at that point you know nothing was crazy or really innovative it was just starting from scratch really and start wanting to to make a change what other what other problems did the pandemic or lockdown throw into the works what I mean what other problems did you set in your face <laughs> um don't say everything oh I won't say everything um a fair amount it like you said it, it meant that you had to adapt didn't it and it meant yeah. that we had especially in hospitality such such a, a contrast of you know, a, a fair amount of people still needing to work. So in our hotels, we had to have a skeleton team. We still had a lot of us centrally who were working really hard trying to keep things together. And then you've also got, um, you know, a large part of the workforce who are furloughed, where I think some people, you know, enjoyed it. But I know a lot of people really struggled as well, you know, not just financially, but they may have lived on their own. They may have um, really loved their work and that that was something that was so important to them. And uh, I always consider it that the pandemic was hard for everyone, but in a different way. And so it was trying to balance the very different needs of those groups of people. And um, and I think ultimately a lot of it came down to community and family and wanting to bring people together and give people that chance for communication interaction if they wanted it. What about you personally? How did you uh, cope with lockdown and furlough? Oh gosh, well I, I really struggled in honesty. I really did. Um, 
I live on my own. You know, I've got a small flat, so, you know, my workspace at home is my living space. And, you know, I was really lucky that I was able to work from a couple of hotels which are really close to me while they were closed. And so, you know, I get on really well with the teams there and was able to do that. But, you know, I didn't have any family around um, either. So, you know, I couldn't even wave at anyone from a, from the garden, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I, I really struggled with that. I, I usually travel for work. I love doing that. And I love meeting our teams. And so having that taken away was quite tough. And alongside that, the work that HR we were doing was quite intense, you know, dealing with having wanting to support people as best as possible but also still having um, normal HR issues as well, just on a reduced scale. Um, we were very slow to, to want to make any changes and feel we had to in terms of um, our, our workforce and, and doing consultations. We did that, you know, well after the summer. Um, there was but, a lot of pressure to what should we be doing? Yeah, and, and we were very good. We were we sat it out. We did not make any rash decisions early on like a lot of others did. You know, we'd already put in place before furlough doing short time and layoff before redundancies. We were very adamant that we wanted to keep as many people as possible and not not jump and make rash decisions. Um, but after the summer, you know, as, as things kept continuing, we needed to. And so in, in the first instance where possible we tried to reduce contracted hours rather than lose headcount so that we could then keep people on board keep them employed and, and top them up later and so we actually and and we, with our teams who actually agreed to that as well we saved a lot of jobs which was fab um but you know alongside that that was an awful lot of consultations and meetings and and, and really feeling for those people going through it but also you know having to take that on yourself so I think um it, it's been very interesting it it's been tough but interesting and I think any anyone who's worked in hospitality over the last couple of years will, will never forget all, all the things that they faced all the things they experienced um but also you know what's great about the industry and that's the people I don't think people are going to forget those lessons that they've learned how it's changed them yeah. as well and changed uh, systems uh yeah. the way the way things Absolutely. work we're never going to go back and i think it, it arguably it's for the better um on that note mm. how has your well-being program changed how's it grown well in in that in the first year of the pandemic it, it changed because we didn't do the well-being champion element to start with um, and what we did is we relaunched our employee committee kind of, I can't even remember when it was in that year now, but when people were able to go back to hospitality venues in some capacity and we had more of the workforce back, we changed what we were doing then um, from an engagement perspective. Yeah. So um, we relaunched Your Voice, which is our employee committee. And then when... Can you talk, can you talk a little bit about that, about Your yeah. Voice? um how how does it work so how we do it in our business is we have an employee committee on each 
um, site. Although in cities where we've got, got more than one property, we've asked the question, do you want to do a cluster committee? Because there's actually lots of benefits from doing that and building relationships between sites. Right. So um, there is no mandate. So when I relaunched it in the pandemic, I want it to be clear, you know, you don't have to have one person from each department. You need people that want to be on it. We don't want people just having to turn up and feeling like they have to and, you know, then get involved in all these things and not really buying into it. I'd rather they have three people that are really interested um, than have 10 that aren't. So just have a core group of people that are really keen um, to be part of it and then They've got a structured format for meetings um, where they discuss sustainability, DEI, ideas for the brand, ideas for their hotel, staff area, well-being, all sorts. But the really, there are really key kind of things that I want them to cover as a mini minimum. So if they don't have time, if they've got a really small team, if things are stretched, I just say, you know, there's a couple of things that are really important to do. Try and organise one engagement activity a month as a minimum um, and also just try and make sure that the central communications that I send out every month is being communicated out because that will include things like updates to support services, updates to benefits and, and the good stuff. So um, I always recommend that. So it's got to adapt to each site and, and what they're able to do at the time, I think. How is it working now? Is it, is it, is, are things, <clears throat> going smoothly has it grown to a point where it sort of not takes care of itself but you know everything is in place I don't believe that it it takes care of itself to be honest I think there's some sites where they are fantastic at it and they've got really passionate people who drive it but I do think it's important centrally that you're driving um things like that and initiatives because the nature of operations is it's so busy and especially it's now still so hard, isn't it, with recruitment, retention. Yeah. You've got to have um you've got to have yeah, a bit of support and a bit of a reminder sometimes and and someone trying to give you ideas or central activities people can join. Because it's not always possible on site. So so honestly it's it's not perfect you know some sites have been doing it well throughout some are a bit kind of ad hoc but they've also been struggling you know um with recruitment so i think that's completely fair enough but bizarrely we're just about to relaunch it again you know just a bit of a refresh trying to make it simpler and easier still showing the success stories and and the really great initiatives that some sites have done and talking again about you know this is kind of your voice light, which you can do where you're limited. This is what you could do when you've really got time. So, but anything you do is better than nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's an ongoing process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what 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 results have you seen since you since the beginning to now? Well, employees. In honesty, it's not very data led, <laughs> but I can tell you my opinion. Is it touch and feel? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was really uh, felt quite proud, actually, because we had several or I had several people that have come to me over the last year or two um, because we also partnered with the Burnt Chef Project uh, right, yeah. a year ago. Yeah, we had Chris Hall on the on the programme recently. Yes. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, so we've done a lot of work with them and 
through that and um, you know we've we've got um burnt chef talked about on our menus it's uh, talks about at check-in as as a way to donate money instead of getting your room cleaned there's lots of touch points where it's used it's people can't really choose to not take it in you know it's starting to filter through and so I've had people that have come to me and, and said you know thank you so much for everything that's kind of been talked about because I always thought I was just a difficult person I would never sleep well you know um, anxiety wasn't a thing I was just highly strung and then after hearing more and more I went to my doctor and actually this is what I've got and I'm now on medication I'm getting counselling and I've never felt so good and I've had quite a few people kind of come to me in that way and people that dare I say you wouldn't expect you know that again everyone wears a mask don't they you don't always know whether someone's struggling and I, I think yeah for me that that's the most important thing even if there's a small group of people that have got help on the back of us talking about this subject more and trying to do more then um it's worth it yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. so there's generally been a, a good reaction from uh, team members um since this all started yeah oh definitely i think so you know we any situation where you've got someone who you might be concerned about or you're starting to um you know see some issues we've got a one page very simple um mental health and well-being guide which outlines all the support services that the business provides and the tools that they can use so including a wellness action plan they can fill out and give to their manager including the burnt chef tech service our eap yeah. like so much um and, you know, we're, we're also encouraging managers to do what we're calling a monthly check in, which is a chance just to touch base, have a coffee, sit, sit down and, and just just check in and see how people are. And it's just those little things I feel over time will change the culture and enhance the culture and, um, and make things better. Uh, we also did something <laughs> I was really pleased with in lockdown. I think number three uh, in January 21. So we committed to doing an 11, well, it ended up being 11 weeks of um, kind of activities every weekday to give everybody across the business a way to interact and and communicate with people um, if they wanted to. So it, we did live workout classes, the chefs did demos and live cook-offs, um, we had people giving us tours around different properties across the world um, because we've got our parent company, which is across the world and has, has sites in lots of places. Yeah. And um, yeah, all sorts of different things. Chris came and talked from the Burnt Chef. And so we, we did five activities a week for 11 weeks, as it turned out, because at the start we committed to doing it until the lockdown was over. <laughs> and I don't think we thought it'd be that long, but... Just doing that and again, people starting to um, recognise each other from across the business, people interacting in, in lots of um, ways that they wouldn't have previously. And so I think a plan for the future would be, you know, not doing that every day, but having an activity, <laughs> you know, more regularly to give that opportunity as well, um, which helps with the community. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't do it every day. That'll be, you'll just be exhausted. <laughs> Yeah, I think it got to a point where we said, right, we rec recommend you go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a slow week. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. 
what did it mean to your team being named a, a winner at the 2021 Catra.com People Awards? Oh, it, it was so, so, so great, honestly. It, it meant a lot because we have worked so hard and, and we really wanted to make a difference. We wanted to support our teams and wanted to do do a great job. And sometimes it's easy to feel like you're not doing that. And, um, you know, I think particularly for us going from having nothing, you know, to having quite a comprehensive programme of things and, and wanting to improve all the time. I'm really proud of where we've got to and to be recognised for it, you know, by such, you know, um, an important organisation in our industry was was really great. And we we're really pleased. That's great. That's really mm. good. That's really good because we, we just thought, how can you pick one winner? Everyone's done a great job and, and, and you know, you guys really stood out uh, with the initiatives that you, you put in so much work to it. So it's brilliant. So you're going to you're going to sort of give the whole programme a refresh. What are your plans mm -hmm. moving forward? Uh, so the other thing uh, we're going to do starts on Monday, actually. I've put together a, a 45 minute um, workshop on managing absence and welfare. And so um, we're going to be running that kind of every month, every two months over Zoom for any managers across the business to join. Because one of the difficulties we have is, like like a lot, we've got lots of sites. We can't get everywhere face to face. And actually the easiest way to, to get to people and to get them involved in training because they don't have much time is short sessions. So I rolled out managing performance recently and bringing out this one as well. And it's really to, to help people feel more confident in what they can and can't do on, in this area as a manager. I, I hear a lot for, from managers that they're worried about what they can and can't say. They're worried that, oh, I can't do anything about this person's performance because of this issue. And actually, you know, it doesn't need to be really complicated and they're not expected to be experts. I'm not expected to be an expert. You know, we're not medical professionals, but we can always signpost and can always try and make adjustments where possible and do lots of things like that so so that's a really key for us now trying to educate more of our manager workforce we did last year um, with the burnt chef training for our general managers uh, which was a half day intensive training so that was really great and now it's just following it through the business so that's number one um what else are we doing um, oh, the other thing that we want to focus on is mental health first aiders. That's a big one for us. So, so we'd really like to have one on each site by the end of the year. Um, we're really keen to achieve that because not only for our teams, but in unfortunately in hotels, you get some people that go to a hotel because they are in crisis. So there's a real benefit to having people that... What do you mean? What, what, explain that. Um, Unfortunately, hotels are quite a popular place where people are planning to end their lives. Um, and so unfortunately, you know, a, a lot of our teams will see people that are, might be in distress, um, people that might be experiencing domestic violence and people ultimately that have had the intention of, of going to a hotel um, to to end their life. Um, so, you know, I, I've had lots of people you know, have to experience lots of awful things at work. And again, it, it's down to prevention, isn't it? If, if if we feel that 
there's someone that could be helped or maybe we need to alert the authorities, then if we've got more people trained to be able to spot that, we may even be able to help one person, maybe more. And so it's worth it. But um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a really, really difficult uh, responsibility that our teams have, you know, and, and another reason why hospitality is sometimes undervalued. Um, I think people don't realise all all the different things that happen, <laughs> you know, within the industry. And, and um, yeah, so that's really important to us. And I think as well, just reinforcing the monthly check ins, um, reinvigorating the employee committee. So it's not again, nothing groundbreaking. It's the simple stuff, but I think it's important not to throw too much at everybody all the time. Try and kind of give it 12 months or so, see what's worked, see what hasn't and then bring more into it. But I do think it's important kind of annually to be building in the, this area with DNI and and doing a bit more because businesses, even ones that are really great, we can always do more, we can always do better. And I think it's important that we try and do that. Yeah, absolutely. Kate, I've got to say, it's been fabulous talking to you. It's been oh, it's been you. it's been really great. <laughs> um, honestly, I mean, you've done such a great job and continue to do so. Uh, uh, it's uh, like like we've gathered from just talking to you. It's 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 a nonstop process and you're doing brilliantly. So thank oh, you very oh, much. Oh for joining me today it's it's been it's been great um if you've enjoyed this episode of uh, recruiting and hospitality join us again why don't you subscribe and that way you get to see episodes uh first um subscribe to us on itunes and podbean and uh the other one wherever you listen to podcasts or um and we're on youtube as well you'll be able to see this too um just hit the subscribe button and you can and you can catch up on all episodes as well. Um, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, which is caterer.com, which is caterer, D-O-T-C-O-M. Likewise on Instagram. Follow us on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook now as well. Um, thanks again, Kate, for joining me today. It's been brilliant. And thank you all. And I hope you found this conversation useful. I hope to see you again. I've been Lance Otner-Ryan. Take care. Bye-bye.